DraftKings Sportsbook. America's top-rated sportsbook app is wishing you the happiest holidays. And to kick off the season of giving, DraftKings has new promotions and odds boosts every day this week. Luckily for us sports fans, there is an abundance of action taking place this week. Football teams are in the hunt to secure their place in the playoffs while college basketball season is just getting underway. There is no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook. So head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss these offers. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new players the chance to earn a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code DNVR. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet. From live betting to betting on your favorite players, they do it all. And to celebrate this weekend's UFC 256, DraftKings is giving all MMA fans who sign up now the chance to triple their winnings when placing any bet on UFC 256. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get a deposit bonus of up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 years or older, Colorado only, bonus comprised of a first-time deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And we're in it, Will. We are inside the podcast. The files are inside the podcast. This is That's Good Broncos. You're listening to it on YouTube or in podcast form. So whatever your your fancy is, it's presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. When you sign up, use code DNVR to take advantage of all of their offers, and it's brought to you by BenchWarmerBrew.com, my fucking coffee company. That's not a slogan, it really is my coffee brand. Really good beans. Um, I think I got some shipped out to you, Will, so you should be getting coffee soon. Awesome. And then you can give your honest evaluation. Do you want that? Do you want an honest evaluation or do you want me to say it's perfect? No, you got to lie to me. You have to lie to my <laughs> I was going to say. I mean, I think my honest evaluation will end up being that it's the best coffee I've ever had. Yes. Um, but one thing I want to throw out there is to also follow us on, on oh, yeah. Twitter. Bench Warmer Brew or at Bench Warmer Brew, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, yeah, I got to start promoting those. Uh, Facebook. <laughs> But Will and I will be working on finding interesting bench warmer tweets, guys who come off the bench, who perform. Will's had a couple good ones this week. Uh, really good Mario Lopez one. So it's not like just an account <laughs> where we're going to be like promoting coffee. We're going to try yeah, to like backup players. Uh, and to speak to yeah. the beans, they're, they're honestly, the Peruvian blend we found is, is so good. It is like, it's, it's not just cool that it's like my coffee company. It's that I'm, it's my favorite bean to grind up in the morning. And I've never been able to say that about anything I've sold. Like my t-shirts, like horse cock locks. I like them. 
but I don't love them. It's not my favorite shirt to wear. I've got lots of shirts that I like to wear more. Um, our beating golf shirts, I don't wear that out because it's embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> my own logo for my show name, That's Good Sports, kind of a dumb name. So this is actually something I'm proud of. Uh, and this podcast will eventually just turn into us talking about coffee. Yeah, I mean, you can't really travel right now, or it's tough to. I'd imagine um, most of the people listening, including myself, and I believe you, have never been to South America or Peru. So it's it's like a little, it's like a little Peruvian excursion in That's every right. sip. One sip will whisk you away on a vacation you've been longing for. Yep. I think uh, exactly. I kind of had an idea to do videos called like uh, your morning crap, which is just mm -hmm. like a short two minute, two to three minute <laughs> video about sports crap that you need to know about from like the previous day. I don't know if I'll get around to doing it, but, and I thought like it might be funny if I read the news from my toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great idea. Anyway, so today, your eyes for that. <laughs> yeah, today we're going to be talking about Broncos news, since this is a Broncos podcast. AJ Boye suspended. Uh, Anthony Lynn had some comments that people want to take out of context. Uh, one of my buddies asked me about Drew Locke, Sam Darnold. It's kind of becoming a question because it appears Sam Darnold uh, may be on the trading block after this season. And uh, then I wanted to address something we touched on after the game about Melvin Gordon having the hot hand and Pat Shermer failing to see that. But let's start with AJ Boye getting a suspended. Yeah, yeah. So it came out that he tested positive for whatever Will Fuller and Bradley Roby tested positive for. <laughs> and old Shefty reported this morning that he's suspended for six games. So not only the rest of this season, uh, but the first two next year. And there's no cap hit in 2021, so they could get rid of him. I saw a lot of people saying, cut him, cut him, cut him. I think that's kind of a bizarre take. I think he's yeah. a good yeah. player, and he's the best corner – well, second best corner on the team. Um, he's certainly the best corner uh, when Bryce Callahan's injured. He yeah. seems to be – somewhat frequently uh but yeah I, I think he's a good player and it's going to be a huge hit for the rest of the year especially given that Bassey's out Callahan's out now Boye's out yeah it's uh two things I want to touch on is one the NFL and the PED suspensions but before that I think what happens at least as somebody who pays attention to social media is I forget, I saw somebody tweet about, you know, they should just cut Boye because he's a bad corner. And it's somebody who I think has like a, a voice in Broncos, in the Broncos blogosphere sports media realm. I forget who it is. Um, and I was like, I don't think he's been bad. Like, he's not the best corner in the league, but he's oftentimes matched up against number one receiver of the the other team you gotta you gotta remember the broncos have been without a bunch of starters on the defensive line and i think if the defense gets healthy 
he's probably the type of player who performs a little bit better. And I think he's also, like, just watching the games, I feel like A.J. Boye, more often than not, has been in good position in a lot of catches that have been made against him. I feel like I've seen a lot of, like, receivers make really great catches right. while Boye is kind of in pretty pretty solid position. And, you know, when Bryce Callahan is out, which he is fucking out, Boye is your most experienced corner and uh, a guy you want on the field. And, you know, I think your plan was to have him next year. So you, you keep him. And if you, you want to address, address corner through the draft, you know, do that, but also keep, keep the, the two guys who've been playing uh, the, the best in terms of at that position uh, so far this season. And then the PED thing, so it looks like the same doctor gave out the advice that whatever uh, Boye took and Roby and Fuller took, the doctor told them it was it was safe for them to take, that it wasn't on there wasn't anything in there on the banned substance list. And it turns out there was. But the NFL <laughs> refuses to take that into account. And Right. Uh, they're going to suspend players for six games for PED violations no matter what. It used to be four. I think this last CBA, they lightened their stance on marijuana and then made the PED suspension six games, I think. Or they just solidified it as a, a, a minimum six game before there was, like, different terms. But, like, if that's a, if that's a thing and they got bad advice from a medical professional – there's no room for nuance exactly maybe say the suspensions are indefinite right now we're looking into this if we find that they've been misled then we'll we're going to readdress the situation uh but the players they'll they'll appeal i don't know what's going to happen and everybody wants to say like players are responsible for what they put in their body right which I, I, I get, I agree with. And maybe like as a player, always go through, like you're, even if your fucking doctor tells you, go through your team and get it double cleared, right? Uh, but like that's part of your job, I get that. But if you've ever seen the banned substance list, uh, <laughs> take, just take a look at it. Take a look at it and tell me you can understand anything on that fucking thing. So no, I just think like, when- It's like reading Chinese. Yeah, because this looks like a, a genuine mistake. It's not like, uh, you know, some guy definitely was taking something and got, you know, busted. It's a few guys at the exact same time, and it's looking like it's traced back to one source. So, I don't know. It seems a little stupid. Yeah, and I, I think to that point, because Will Fuller took it on the Texans too, and someone who's always injured in Will Fuller – it feels like for him and Boye, this was something to come back from injury quicker rather than uh, to gain a competitive advantage a la, right. you know, steroid use in the late 90s in the MLB. Yeah. But, like, what happens if, uh, you know, someone breaks into A.J. Boye's house while he's sleeping and injects him with HGH and he tests positive the next day? It's like – is that just six games too? Yeah. And I'm not saying uh, those are analogous or anything, but it feels like the NFL is unwilling to look at these cases like on yeah. a 
case by case yeah. sort of basis there. And there's no, there's no variability and there's no room for, for nuance. Like I said earlier, it just doesn't seem fair to no. me. And like, if AJ Boye was was rated as the best corner in the league right now, and he he had like seven interceptions, two yeah, pick just sixes, like an out of nowhere career yeah, year, then fine, whatever he's taking, maybe it's making him a super athlete. Um, but yeah, it just seems like the NFL doesn't want to complicate whatever uh, process it has, so it's it doesn't give a shit. Same way, like. Uh, <laughs> Des Bryant gets pulled for a positive COVID test day of the oh. game. And uh, yeah. we, we, the, there's a deleted tweet uh, showing Deg, Des hu- hugging some like Cowboys players or, or team personnel or something. And the NFL's like, yeah, there's, there's no issue here. And, and somehow that's different than what happened to the Broncos, right? Like, <laughs> right. They're, yeah. They're, they were the NFL decided. Okay, well, uh, both parties were wearing masks, and even though they hugged, um, it was under 15 minutes of close contact, and they're outdoors. Um, you know, by the way, like you think Des was uh, not interacting with anybody before the game, either. Yeah. Anything like that. So the, the team flight, like right. Uh, yeah. No, it's. it's or they were in Baltimore, right? They're in Baltimore. Okay, so they weren't on a plane, but no. But you have to wonder where did Des get it from? Where you know? Yeah. How how long did he have uh, before he contracted it? To when he tested positive for it? There's the incubation period, all of that. Uh, either way, it comes down to the NFL was like, no, we're not postponing this game. Not right yeah, now. and maybe they're like enough Ravens have already had it. So, <laughs> but the Cowboys haven't. Yeah, they don't give a fuck about the Cowboys anymore. If, we, the Cowboys, yeah, if there's suddenly a breakout with the Cowboys, then um, yeah, you know, it's gonna look bad. Um, the Cowboys will a miracle happen. They got flexed out of Sunday Night Football. Yes, I read this. Yeah, replaced by the fucking Browns. The Cowboys <laughs> got replaced yeah. by the Browns in Sunday Night Football. Let's okay, just one second to put it in perspective. The NFC East team did get flexed for another NFC yeah, East team. It's the Giants and Browns. So we need to temper our excitement a little yeah. bit. But I would so much rather watch the the Giants. The upstart Giants. Five set, I'll be at five and seven. No Saquon Barkley. I'd much rather watch that team than the Cowboys at this point. Yeah. I think uh, the rest of America and probably Cowboys fans would agree. Yeah, definitely. Um, the Cowboys look bad. So no no need to watch them in prime time. Nope. Uh the I mean, yeah, I think the Giants are going to well, it's tough. Giants Washington got a little bit Washington of an interesting race of the bottom football. feeders. What? Yeah. It, it, I think part of it comes down to when is Daniel Jones gonna come back. Yeah. But I think that uh that Giants defense is uh really hitting their stride. Kind of yeah. adding insult to injury with the the Broncos secondary depth. Isaac Yadam is playing really, really well. <laughs> I saw a tweet saying how well Yadam's playing. I'm just like that. Oh, of course he is. Of oh. course. Why not? Yeah, I mean that's par for the course. Uh, I'm Isaiah McKenzie catch another touchdown for the Bills. <laughs> just, yep. And like, 
McKenzie's not like a huge re- receiving threat for the Bills, but Devontae sh- Booker's going off for the Raiders. Yeah, I swear to Christ, every time I watch a Bills game, I see McKenzie involved in a play that makes an impact. <laughs> like, <clears throat> yeah. Sometimes the patience there and the player evaluation seem a little. Maybe always not as bad as a as a drafter as people have been saying. No, he just missed on QBs and. He had a, yeah. a bad streak in the second round for a while. I saw I saw Ryan Koenigsberg tweet about like the Broncos free agent acquisitions like the last two seasons, and it was like ninety five percent of them were like hurt, hurt or some Off other issue. Like Boye suspended now. It's just like oh shit, they're like getting almost no production from their free agent acquisitions. So, yeah, but they've all been they've all been pretty good on the field. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, Jarrell Casey would have been great had he stayed healthy. Um, Right. And he's gotten a lot of them via trade for not much at all, too. So these aren't just, like, free agent signings either. Like, Boye Boye and Casey were both, I want to say, like, a a seventh rounder and maybe a fifth rounder via trade. But, yeah, he's been getting really creative um, just with how he adds veteran talent. Lord Elway. Uh, Lord Elway. I think we, we both love and will genuflect to Lord Elway yep. more often than not. I'll defend uh, him till the day to the I death. die. To the death. Yeah, it was, it was bizarre because the ownership thing crept up again um, with them saying Fangio and Elway probably aren't going to go anywhere um, until ownership is resolved. Is it just like us, but I don't want anything to happen to Fangio in LA right now. As much as I criticized Fangio uh, on Sunday, I don't think I gave him enough credit for the overall game plan. Yeah, I mean, he finally put up a respectable fight against the Chiefs, right? And that's what we were criticizing. Yeah, which is what we, you know, we talked about in the game preview as well. Um, And really, if you're, if you want to blame that game, uh, it's the offense not scoring enough points and, uh, you know, some missed opportunities there. It's, it's like he, his decision to punt was wrong. It's not the only reason the Broncos lost. Anytime, like, you criticize, you know, a couple key things from a game, it's, you're not saying, like, that's the only reason they lost, right. but it's – you you want your head coach to have a beat on everything that's happening during a game. And I think that's, that takes time. And I think more often than not, you know, Fangio is pretty good. Uh, He's been running the defense as well. Um, Because I don't even think Ed Donatel was back for this. I thought he was going to be, but he ended up not being back. So he's kind of like having, you know, Kyle Shanahan, where he's the head coach and he's calling offensive plays, right? But he's just – he's doing the same thing for the defense. And I think it's a little trickier when you're doing it for defense or however the defensive coaches' minds work. uh, I feel like offensive coaches are a little better suited to manage an entire game. Uh, I think Sean McVay is probably a little better at it. You know, Kyle Shanahan's a little better at it. Uh, maybe it's like the speed that they work in where they're always 
creating the plays and defenses are trying to react to him. I don't know. But I just hope, yeah, like another season as head coach, he can be better. We haven't heard players bitch about him or, or feel like there's a divide in the locker room because they hate their coach. So, no. it, again, it comes down to your quarterback's not delivering and you still don't know if the offensive coordinator is the right guy. Like, to me, those are the two big problems. Um, it's – I think Fangio deserves a shot next year for sure. This whole season's been fucked. And, like, Absolutely. A.J. Boye getting suspended yeah. now is just another example of that. <laughs> You're going I don't into even it. think it's like getting a shot next year. I, I think he has earned and, and deserves it. Yeah. Uh, just for everything that's gone wrong this year, I, I think this year is kind of a throwaway. And I, to some extent, I feel, the, I feel that about the quarterback situation as well. Um, although I've kind of always maintained that it just depends on the options available. Because yeah. if you're picking in the top five, uh, then, you know, the story changes. And, okay, now maybe you should pick a quarterback. Um, but if you're looking at Drew Locke going into year three versus free agents or someone you're trading for, maybe other than Matt Stafford, you weigh the options and you decide that, you know, giving up on someone mid-development isn't uh, a better option than, you know, trading for someone like Sam Darnold mid-development. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. With, like, have we talked about that before? Darnold or Locke? I feel like we have. Uh, we probably touched on it. Not in depth, though. Who would you, who would you take? Assuming the Broncos could get Darnold for a fair price. Like, they're not giving up something stupid to get him. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, to me, it depends so much on, like, do they move on from Pat Shermer? Or uh, is he sticking around? Um because I feel like Shermer's wrong for both guys. It seems like Shermer might be wrong for everyone. Yeah. Um, at this point, although. I think but like, if Matthew be... Stafford came in or Matt Ryan, then I think Shermer's yeah. A fit. Like because those guys know how to run an NFL offense. They know where to not make mistakes, and if you have that already. Shermer might be a good fit because he's going to fucking attack the field and Stafford yeah. and Ryan like to do that. But if it's a young guy, like, I don't know if he's the right guy to develop them. Totally. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think he's someone you bring in with an established quarterback yeah. that could possibly make him better. But his, I think his offense might be too much of a challenge for someone who's, who's really just trying to build their confidence. Yeah. Like, Drew Locke is and you see it too a lot of it's decision making from the quarterback himself and then all of it's play calling too but why is you know why is Teddy Bridgewater sitting at 70 percent completion percentage while Drew Locke is you know 50 something yeah a lot of it comes down to just giving them easy throws and it doesn't feel like yeah they're getting Locke the the layups yeah and you know and what and also Locke identifying where the easy throws are. Yeah, that's part of it too. It, that's it feels part of it like, too. like his first interception against KC. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like he doesn't see those or he's just he's got the, the kind of mentality where he's it's a looking, mindset thing. Yeah, he's looking for the big play first. And sometimes 
you've got to see what the defense is giving you and then knowing like, oh, we're just gonna take the the dump off here, the the check route or whatever. Um I also wish one thing that I've noticed about Locke too that he did it once on Sunday, but I don't think he runs enough. Yeah, I wrote a whole thing about that for the fucking uh prediction episode. Yeah. Um, he's Oh, because I was looking at 40 times. <laughs> so Chris Collinsworth was <laughs> well, – Patrick Mahomes uh, rushed for a first down, scrambled, kind of out of pressure, and Collinsworth was like – and the crazy thing is he's not even that fast. You know, just over-hyping Mahomes. I was like, well, yeah, Mahomes is, is quick, and he was like, he's like a 4-8, 40 times. I was like, okay, maybe that's a little slower than I thought. And Drew Locke has a faster 40 time than Mahomes and Josh Allen. And I think when I think about those, those quarterbacks, one thing that makes them good, and Drew Locke does this, he escapes pressure. Um, and the, the difference is when he escapes pressure, it's like 50-50 whether it's going to be a good or bad throw. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It used to be like that for Josh Allen, but he's dialed it in. Mahomes has it dialed in. But what I want to see is Drew Locke escape pressure and then just run to pick up a first down. Like he's, yeah. I think, as athletic as those guys, but we're, he's not being coached to take advantage of it. Or maybe his injury history is causing him to not, not want to run and maybe take a shot. But you're, you're spot on. Like I would love to see him get some more first downs by running because when you start to do it, it changes how the, the defense is playing, all of your receivers – Passes are going to open up a little bit more if they're scared your quarterback's going to make a play with his legs. Yeah, part of it, too, with Mahomes, I think he just has more room to run in general because everybody's so um, – you know, the, the mindset on defense is that until he crosses the line of scrimmage, he can throw it pretty much anywhere. So yeah. you have to cover yeah. the receiver to the last second. And, you, you know, you, you – you commit too early and you leave the guy wide open, that can turn into a huge play for the Chiefs. Whereas I don't think that's necessarily a concern for Locke at this point. Um, so, yeah, it's like Mahomes might not be the fastest, but like his running backs, he's also got big lanes. Yeah. To run. It, you've got a, a, an entire secondary worried about Tyreek Hill burning you for 40 yards every play. Yeah. So there's like. <laughs> You know, unless there's you're keeping two linebackers in that that sweet area, uh, the whole field opens up once those Chiefs receivers start spreading out. Um, and Josh Allen, well, he'll just fucking hurdle a dude. So it's uh, yeah. <laughs> but he really it, I, I, that that throw by Josh Allen on Monday night was one of the one of the tightest windows I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, you had that in the script and because uh, it was to Gabe Davis. And then the, the yeah. first Gabe Davis uh, clip I, I was looking at was when he was wide open for a touchdown. So I thought you were, you were making like a joke at first. And then I realized oh, no. you were talking about the, the other pass Allen had to him. So Yeah, because um, I was watching that game with my dad and I went to the kitchen for a second and I missed the throw and came back. My dad made me rewind the play like twice. He's like, you got to see this. You got to see this. 
Yeah. I was like, wow, damn, especially from that end zone uh, view. But it's really crazy how, like, when Josh Allen was coming out, everybody just, like, viewed him like he was Elway bait. And people were like, well, uh, you know, John Elway's going to take him. John Elway's going to take him. Uh, And now that he's good, it's like a mistake that Elway didn't take him. Yeah, I don't think he would be good here in Denver. No, probably not. Honestly. I don't think he would have gotten the same loyalty and dedication to, yeah. to grow and work with. That's true. Yeah, I mean, the uh, Josh Allen was – he played uh, more games in his rookie season than Locke. And he was pretty – he was better last year, but he was inconsistent too. Yeah. And I think the Bills – probably had a better team around him than the Broncos do now. Uh, especially when you factor in the injuries. But yeah, I think quarterbacks can take a huge leap from year two to year three. And it you have to clean things up too because Josh Allen really cleaned up his footwork and that improved his accuracy. Yeah. I don't know if Locke is super inaccurate when he sets his feet because he can set his feet really well. And they're not necessarily yeah. broken it's just that sometimes he gets out of the habit of doing it yeah and that's what screws up the accuracy that's like when you look at josh allen that's why you have some hope for drew Locke because i i am generally under the impression that when a quarterback is inaccurate in college as josh allen was his senior season or his final season i think it's a senior yeah. season like to me that's a really hard thing to fix at the pro level and more often than not you're fighting an uphill battle uh but i have a little more hope seeing what the bills have been able to do with josh allen because now he is making throws like you know the one you're talking about and i think even in that chiefs game re-looking at that tim patrick touchdown pass from drew lock it was incredible perfect it was perfect so absolutely perfect throw it's getting that confidence back in your QB and it's getting their mechanics, you know, straightened out. And hopefully that comes with time. It's, it's two things there too. It's as a quarterback, you want to know what you're doing every play. And that's like the whole play. It's, it's reading the defense, going through your progressions and feeling good about that and feeling good that, you know, your, your line is there and it's going to hold. And it's like, once you feel good about those things, then your mechanics are always uh, uh, the the fundamentals are are reliable and they're there every time. Right. When you're you're worried about not knowing, say, like what you need to do with the ball, uh, you're overreacting to maybe a pass rush that isn't there. Like all that other shit kind of goes out the window, and you don't see, you know, the evolution that you want. I think. Yeah, and. I think another thing is right around game four in Josh Allen's second season in Buffalo, his numbers were, his passing numbers were worse than Drew Locke's through uh, a full season, which I think it's been now for Locke, maybe because it's close because I'm trying to factor in the injuries and the the close contact bullshit. Yeah, it's Uh, it's hard to tell how many games Locke played. The difference, I think, Josh Allen was able to rely on his running ability too. So that kind of got him through that period in his career where he wasn't a very effective passer necessarily uh, and was missing a lot of guys. 
But his numbers just steadily got better through the second season, like right around that point. Um, and yeah, so there's reason to believe too. And if you, especially if you invest a little bit more in the offensive line, you let the offensive line come together. Um, yeah, that could, it can get better. It can get it better. Can absolutely get better. And that's, I don't know, that's why I'm, it does, like you said, it takes a little bit of loyalty and you have to, you just have to invest time. And that's the problem with, I think, today's NFL in terms of finding quarterbacks is you just expect them to be great right off the bat. And it's, a lot of the times quarterbacks are great right off the bat and then regress. And there's some that Carson Wentz. <laughs> Carson Wentz is a perfect example. Uh, Baker Mayfield's a, uh, an example of a guy who was great his rookie year, sucked his second year, uh, was more of a mixed bag this year, but seems like he's figuring it out. Yeah, but seems you have like... to ride these waves, and a lot of people uh, who watch the Broncos aren't willing to do that whatsoever, and that's part of the reason um, we're not finding quarterbacks. Yeah, you look at Baker Mayfield compared to Drew Locke, what's the the similarity there? Uh, There are some big coaching changes between seasons one and two for them. Uh, And then this year when he's playing, starting to play well, it's like the Browns have a competent head coach who's also came in with a system that fit Baker's strengths. Like, um, you know. Play action. Play action. Rely on that run yeah, game. And the, the emphasis, the the emphasis for the offense is not Baker Mayfield. No, it's Nick Chubb. First and foremost, some Kareem Hunt. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and then use play action. And the Broncos tried that; like they were more effective doing that on Sunday against. Um, and I think the Chief, Chiefs' defense is uh, really, really good too, and they don't get credit for it. Um, but I think it was effective. It was effective against the Dolphins, who were a top five defense. You come back, throw the Saints game out, and then against the Chiefs, they stuck to that formula. Uh, and I think it's, I think it's a good one. Yeah. No, I agree. And if you're looking so for it, a winning, keep it coming. Keep it coming. If you're looking for a winning formula, maybe check out DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is wishing you the happiest of holidays and to kick off the season of giving DraftKings has new promotions and odd odds boosts every day this week. Luckily for us sports fans, there's an abundance of action taking place this week. Football teams are in the hunt to secure their place in the playoffs, not the chargers while college basketball season is just getting underway. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook. So head to the app store now, Uh, Because you don't want to miss this, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new players the chance to earn a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 when using code DNDR. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet, from live betting to betting on your favorite players like Jerry Judy. Uh, I just want to see Jerry Judy get more catches. But DraftKings does it all. And to celebrate this weekend's UFC 256, DraftKings is giving all MMA fans who sign up now the chance to triple their earnings when they place any bet on UFC 256. So download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get a deposit bonus of up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Gotta be 21. This is for Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first first time deposit bonus. Deposit bonus require requ requires me to talk. Requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Um, okay. We were talking about the running game a little bit before that. So in my limited time where I leave my home, I went to the grocery store yesterday. I caught a little bit of Zach Bai and Brandon Stokely on the radio, and they were talking about something we actually talked about in the post-game uh, Broncos recap, and that was Pat Shermer uh, continuing to try to get Philip Lindsay carries, even though he wasn't really playing well, and Melvin Gordon was playing extremely well. Uh, I think Lindsay finished with like two yards per carry, didn't have a, a run longer than four yards, he was hurt coming into the game, and uh, we've talked about, like, it's a good thing to have the balance on the running game, not just running to passing, but splitting carries between Gordon and Lindsey. All about supporting that. They were saying, they, like, the same fucking thing. And, uh, one, it just it made me feel better about our observations. Um, two. We can do that job. Yeah. I was thinking, like, that is, it is such an underrated skill, I think, as a coach to, like we were talking about with Vic Fangio just a little bit earlier, to feel the game and see what, like, we're able to see at home. And it's, it's not a knock on Lindsay to keep, to give Melvin Gordon more carries in a game where you're having success yeah. with Melvin Gordon. It's like you're doing a disservice to your offense by not feeding the guy who's playing really well. And we've been hard on Melvin Gordon at times, uh, you know, for various reasons. But then they hit on, you know, the Patriots doing that as well. Like one game Rex Burkhead will have like 25 carries and then you won't see him for three weeks. And then it's Sony Michelle. Like they, they figure out, you know, who has the hot hand. But that got me thinking, the one thing Patriots game, game plan it's just so much better than I feel like the Broncos offensive game plans where they identify mismatches before the game even fucking starts and they tool their game plans before. It's not like an accident that Rex Burkhead's going to get a huge workload in a game. Uh, I don't think I'm sure there's occasions where they're like, Oh shit, he's this guy's playing well because this linebacker went out. We didn't foresee that. And we're going to give Rex Burkhead more carries because we think there's an advantage here. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel like the Broncos offense does that during games, and it doesn't feel like they observe those sort of mismatches prior to games. Yeah, I think with the Melvin Gordon thing, first of all, I think people have been way too hard on him. Uh, and they really didn't like the, uh, the, the free agent signing in the first place. Oh, yeah, people have been shitting on that from the get-go. Yeah, which I thought was dumb because uh, we would have been totally fucked if not for Melvin Gordon in a lot of these games yeah. just because Philip Lindsay was totally ineffective. Uh, hurt. And then other games where he's been hurt, yeah. It's like, you really think Royce Freeman could have done this? Or just like some whoever, you know, rolling the dice on a, on, on a rookie free agent? Or not a rookie free agent, just a rookie running back? I think Melvin Gordon's been really valuable and he's been the best running back this season. Um, but with sharing the workload, 
I think the problem for me was it's okay to use Philip Lindsay as a change of pace when Melvin Gordon's running the ball really well, but my problem was they're just handing it handing it to him like right up the middle, right up the A gap every <clears> single time. Right. They're giving uh Melvin Gordon these like sweet plays where they're pulling the guards and they're they're being creative and they're getting it to him on the edge. Like Phil Lindsay's way faster. You should get him the ball on the edge too. You yeah. Know, mix it up too. Like the, it felt like the defense knew it was coming every time. They they'd game plan for Philip Lindsay, and uh, well, it, maybe it was partly due to injury, but it, they're just like running him into a brick wall, and it didn't feel very productive. Well, if you're being honest about like Philip Lindsay as a running back compared to Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon's a much more complete running back in that yeah. he's a better pass catcher. So defenses don't they're they're not worried about Philip Lindsay in the passing game. Melvin Gordon's better in pass protection as well. And I think yep. that's mostly just like a size thing. It you know is. What I mean? it like is. <laughs> being an undersized back, unless you're fucking thick and stocky like uh, Maurice Jones drew, like pass protection can be uh, <laughs> challenging. And, you know, Lindsey is faster. He has that home run potential. But I, I feel like Melvin Gordon, I mean, they're both good when they're – when they're running effectively, they're both really good, but Melvin Gordon has an ability to break tackles maybe, or it's just like, we've seen him like carry some guys when he's running. He just, it's just a part, and it's not a knock on Philip Lindsay's game. It's just a different style of running where the, the power mixed with Gordon's kind of elusiveness is, is really effective. It's kind of like what you thought maybe Royce Freeman would bring to the table, but he's more of, it's just kind of looks like power back where he's going to put his shoulder down and get an extra yard or two, whereas Melvin Gordon's going to put his shoulder down and spin out of it or, you know, break that tackle. And we've seen him make great plays and we've seen him fight for those extra yards and also fumble like Melvin Gordon's biggest flaw is, he fumbles the ball a little too much, and that's much easier to see for fans than like maybe Philip Lindsay not you know getting a bunch of yards in a game because he's he's hurt and the 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 play design isn't right for him in those type of scenarios or the defense playing him is playing him one way because they know you know they're only going to try one or two things with Philip Lindsay when he's in the backfield. Yeah. And you know, you're allowed to mix in a third running back too. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's like, it doesn't feel like they do that ever. If and Lindsay was hurt, if Lindsay's not working then, or if he's hurt like last week, maybe, you know, don't force the ball to him. If, if you don't want to be creative and get him some tosses or stretches, or that's not available because he's, uh, you know, only 70%, then, the Patriots use all of their running backs. Yeah. They use James White. They use Rex Burkhead. Uh, they use Damian Harris. And I forget the other guy, uh, J.J. Taylor or something. But they get use out of all of them. Yeah. Um, and they have these change-ups. And, like, Burkhead and James White, they'll catch the ball, and then they pound it with Damian Harris. So you got to – what what are you keeping that <laughs> third running back for – on the active roster, if not to give him the ball a few times. Yeah, it's just it's it's one hundred percent about knowing every player's strengths and yeah. 
using that player for those strong strengths. Right. It's like, yeah, Jerry Judy is probably not the guy you want to be using as your wide receiver to block for your other wide receiver downfield, right? Like he's, he's going to torch dudes and get open every chance you let him. So if you know that, figure out how to get him the ball and make that the easy throw for Drew Locke, right? It's, it's just about figuring out. It would be like if I asked you to write me shit you weren't good at writing. Yeah. Yeah, it's helping no one. It, it, yeah. it did hurt a little bit seeing Jerry Judy, uh, the stat line for the last two weeks, zero for zero, zero touchdowns. I don't understand what was going on on Sunday, but the offense is so much better. Or the passing game is so much better when they – it's like they should just target him on purpose. Yeah. Just kind of – like if you're going to stare anyone down, stare down Jerry Judy. Yeah. He finds a way to get open. You know what I really want to see is a game where two ball catchers have big games because it feels like yeah. there's only one guy who has a good game and the rest of the, the receivers are kind of forgotten about. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's intentional, whose fault it is or whatever, but like Tim Patrick was having a game, but that doesn't mean, you know, Jerry Judy couldn't have had a game as well. You like right. same way Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill both had games. Well, Tyreek Hill would have <laughs> had he had touchdowns that counted. Idiot. Um, but you know what I'm saying. It just feels like it's yeah. very one-dimensional in terms of it's like they get production out of one guy. Yeah, it doesn't it. feel like we've had a great two-receiver game since Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, it just doesn't – I haven't seen it. it. Like you said, it's either – it's they kind of do ride the, the hot hand uh, in the passing game where they probably should do it more in the running game. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think – if you spend, a, you know, a 15th overall pick on a receiver, to not get them the ball for a full game – is really really shooting yourself in the foot yeah it sucks and part of it's too like if you got a guy like jerry judy who hadn't caught a ball last week either and that's not i don't think that's the broncos fault at all then oh yeah that was the just throw him a ball at the line of scrimmage yeah or like give him like one of those quick tosses or you know mix him in the same way you would kj hamler it, you got to get creative and keep, just keep him involved because a you're going to keep him happy, b you're going to keep him in the rhythm of the game, uh, and like you might bust one of those plays. Yeah, you, you know what I think? Uh, I think Tim Patrick and probably Nick Vanette can split out wide with Jerry Judy, and I think those two guys know how to block. So if you get Jerry <laughs> Judy a damn bubble screen like we used to see twice a game with Demarius Thomas, and he would right. take one for a touchdown or 30 yards, like just do that. Like he is in ex- – or even K.J. Hamler, one of those guys behind two and they did do your- They did do a good job with Hamler, I think, getting, getting him the ball. They got him more involved. They had like the reverse, you know, they had uh, – and, ha- and Hamler made people miss too. Again, that's what we yeah. thought we would see. So, yeah, it's just you got to figure out ways to get the ball to 
the guys who might be able to take it to the house any play or turn a three-yard gain into a 12-yard gain. It's, it's all about that shit. Totally With that agree. said, I expect nothing for from this team for the rest of the season. Every week is going to get harder because it's, players – It does feel, good. in a way, there's four games left. And part of me is like, just get this season over with. And yeah. another part of me feels so cheated this season. And I just like want to cherish the last four games of the year because I'm going to be missing it so much in the offseason, win or yeah. lose. It's so, – uh, it's every Just, week. It seems like there's an insurmountable, insurmountable challenge presented to the Broncos. Yeah. This week, they have both of their top two corners out, and it's just like right. I feel like there's gonna be something next week. You got Shelby Harris back, and he was playing lights out. But guess what? Now try to defend without your corners. Good luck. Fuck you, Broncos. That's the way the seasons felt. <laughs> It does seem like they could be – well, it looks like Christian McCaffrey injured his quad from what I read. Oh, he might not play? He might catch a break in that case. Yeah, that said, Mike Davis the first times is pretty we good have too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I guess they're going to promote Devontae Bosby, right? They should. Oh, he should be back. I hope. Should have been in the fucking game last week, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, they might have no choice at this Finally. point. Bosby by default. Bosby by default. Um, Let's do it. All right. That's enough. Right? Nailed it. Yeah, we nailed it. Oh, Anthony Lynn. Uh, I just saw multiple people giving him shit for referencing – all right, so what it was? He said uh, it was December seventh, right? Day, a couple of days ago. Pearl yeah. Harbor Day. He used that as an example when talking to his team about uh, you can be down but not out. Like just a reference to the team to be like, look, that was a really terrible situation, but they fought their way out of it, and got through it. I think he's trying to yeah. channel that message to his team, but people want to be like Anthony Lynn comparing the Chargers to World War Two. It's like. Fuck off. Like, he's a coach if trying to motivate his team. And he's probably exactly. going to get fired because he's been doing a bad job at getting the best performance out of his team. I'm just sick of everybody getting criticized no matter what they say. It's just so stupid. If you're upset about this, uh, just get a life. Yeah. Get a, get a damn life. There's so many real things to worry about. Yeah, coaches reference that shit, like, all the time. Anthony Lynn just happened to say what he referenced in a press conference yeah i'm sure bill belichick references the nazis all the time but he brings it up probably in a positive way that's the guy you should be fucking mad at <laughs> the nazis were down and out in in russia <laughs> and they fought back yeah uh, isn't like one of the greatest quotes uh was it over when the germans bombed pearl harbor what was the quote uh what fucking movie was it from uh, it was like a halftime speech, and they're like, "Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor?" Oh, uh, Animal House. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> halftime speech to Animal the same House. Same thing. <laughs> we have a problem with that. Yeah. Was it Belushi who said it? I think so. Yeah. 
R.I.P. Um, all right. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And I am going to retire. Good night and good luck because I think every episode should now end with John Elway played his entire career without an ACL. Never forget that. Always remember. Always remember. Oh, yeah. Can't use never forget either. <laughs> Always remember. <laughs> DraftKings Sportsbook. America's top-rated sportsbook app is wishing you the happiest holidays. And to kick off the season of giving, DraftKings has new promotions and odds boosts every day this week. Luckily for us sports fans, there is an abundance of action taking place this week. Football teams are in the hunt to secure their place in the playoffs while college basketball season is just getting underway. There is no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook. So head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss these offers. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new players the chance to earn a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code DNVR. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet. From live betting to betting on your favorite players, they do it all. And to celebrate this weekend's UFC 256, DraftKings is giving all MMA fans who sign up now the chance to triple their winnings when placing any bet on UFC 256. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get a deposit bonus of up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 years or older, Colorado only, bonus comprised of a first-time deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.